Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. There are growing concerns in the Red Sea about attacks on container ships. Uh, We've had a lot of them so far. There's a threat of more. Wondering how that's going to affect us. Special guest to give us some insight. Yes, especially given the fact that uh, there is now word that uh, that the U.S. military may very soon be involved in trying to keep the peace in that area. Chris Keel joins us once again from Armada Corporate Intelligence. Chris, always a pleasure to have you on. Welcome back. Well, thank you. Let's talk a little bit about oil prices as they stand right now. As Jamie said, we've been having a pretty good run, not not only with oil prices, but with gasoline prices at the pump staying fairly low over just the last few months or so. Uh, Where are we now, first of all, with the spot oil prices, and where do you see things happening over the next month or so with price at the pump? Yeah, they're still very low. Spot prices have been in the 70s and 80s. Remember when all this began? We were expecting prices to jump up into the hundreds, and they didn't. The producers have basically stayed intact with demand. So you've not really seen a stretch at either end of this. And so we're looking forward to more quarters of this. I mean, this could last through the beginning of next year, not even really moving until the summer driving season starts. So Merry Christmas. At least your price of gas is down. (laughs) Uh, For now, and we'll get to that more of that here in a second, Educate us to the extent that you can on the importance of the Red Sea as a shipping route. Yeah, 35% of trade goes through the Suez Canal, which, of course, is. So it's a very significant trade route, predominantly from India, Asia, into Europe, also into the U.S. to a certain extent. And what's happening is kind of an expansion of what's been going on there for years with piracy. The pirates have been making that an unpleasant transition for decades. But now you've got Iran-backed Houthi rebels who are targeting specifically ships that have something to do with Israel. So they're finding out somehow which ships are carrying what, and those that are carrying supplies to Israel are being targeted. And that's got the insurance industry very worried. Maersk and Costco have both declared that they are no longer going to sail through the Red Sea. They're going to go around Africa and add several days to the length of of a shipment. And this is all coming at the same time that the Panama Canal is in trouble because of drought. We normally see about 35 ships a day coming through the Panama Canal. In January, that will be down to 18. And so between the Red Sea and the Panama Canal, we're seeing the supply chain problem return. We hadn't seen that for several months, but it's back, 
And so, you know, as you said, uh, these are rebels that are being backed by the Iranian government. But as I understand it, most of the the issue on the ground is in Yemen, correct? Yeah, these are Yemen-based. This is the Houthi rebels that have been backed by Iran. Saudi Arabia has backed the other side. Yemen has been split uh, for many, many years. It is sort of the, the hotbed of conflict between Iran and Saudi Arabia. Yeah. And ironically, one of the reasons that we've seen oil prices stay down is that the Saudis and the other Arab countries are still producing at pretty legitimate levels because they don't want to do anything that makes life easy for Iran. We're right, but, but given that, I mean, and that's exactly where I was going is into Saudi Arabia because, uh, given the geography of it, the fact that they're neighbors, uh, is Saudi Arabia, even though they're backing the other side, is there any indication that they're going to see enough of a problem there to get directly involved uh, in any of the fighting against those rebels? Yeah, so far they have been because they back the Yemeni government that is fighting the rebels, so they will continue that support. I don't see the Saudis getting involved with what's happening in Israel and the Gaza Strip. This is something that they have kind of steered clear of for all kinds of reasons for many years. But what they are interested in doing is taking advantage of anything that hurts Iran short-term or long-term. I mean, the enmity between those two countries is intense, and and it's not going to ease anytime soon. We're talking about companies that are pausing their shipments through the Red Sea then and where else they can go. Got our attention when BP said they were going to pause Red Sea shipments until this until this cools down. So how impactful is that? How much does BP send through there? And I just think back to the Suez Canal when we had the Ever Given that was stuck and we talked about all the traffic then that had to go Mm -hmm. down around South Africa. Talk us through the impact of that. Yeah, the bigger impact is essentially going to be on Europe. I mean, Europe depends a lot more on that route than we do. Um, The stuff that comes from Asia comes to us across the Pacific. So we're more concerned about Panama than we are about the Suez. But oil prices are set globally. Right now, the oil companies are simply rerouting. They're not going to use the Red Sea, which to a degree they had been kind of de-emphasizing anyway because it has been a contested area for a while just because of the piracy. So they're going to be using other ports, um, not that these are necessarily any better. They're Libya, they're uh, Algeria. (laughs) It's like that whole area has its issues. But it shouldn't have much of an impact on us because we don't don't import much from the Middle East anymore. Um, Almost all of our oil is produced by ourselves, and that which is not we get from Canada and Mexico. But because oil prices are set globally, we see an impact. Brent crude uh, has been more expensive than WTI, which is the U.S. oil. Not by a whole lot, but usually by 3 or $4 a barrel. That may expand, and we may see Brent getting even more expensive and WTI not moving very much. So, and, and what I'm also curious about, I mean, that's not the only contested area of the world that is an oil producer. Talk a little bit about what's going on in the Black Sea and, and the ongoing uh, conflict that's happening there. Is that having much of an impact? It isn't having much of an impact when it comes to oil, but it definitely is when it comes to food. And you get some really bizarre kind of permutations with this because the Europeans are trying to help the Ukrainians. They have dropped all the tariffs on Ukrainian wheat. 
So Ukrainian wheat is now coming into Europe much cheaper than Polish wheat or the other producers, which has led to the interesting dilemma where Kansas millers are now buying Polish wheat because it's cheaper than Kansas wheat. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Yeah, and I would imagine sunflower oil is seeing the same kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's just, you know, that's what happens when you have a global market. So the Black Sea has been more of a food issue. The area that's becoming a little more of a concern when it comes to oil is good old Venezuela, as they're trying to usurp land that belongs to Guyana, and that's affecting oil production there. So we're just grateful that North Dakota is still part of the United States. (laughs) Have we ever said those words before? Yeah, really. Let's hope Canada doesn't try to annex it. Yeah, yeah I you know, the- there's always that threat, you know, and, and, and basically the Canadians would wonder how long it would take us to notice. But that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, you mentioned the Panama Canal, which we've not really talked about, but that I'm interested in, in part because I wonder, does that affect us more? And as you mentioned, yeah, the problem there is drought. Yep. Yep. It does affect us more because we get a lot of shipments because the West Coast ports tend to be congested companies were shifting and they were putting right through Panama and then up into the Gulf and then the East Coast. Well, you now see the shipments coming through the Panama Canal have to wait sometimes three or four days for their turn, and that just adds to costs. So all of the things that we would be getting through the Panama Canal, which is not so much commodities, it's more container ships full of stuff, it gets delayed. And you either have to figure out a way to get around the restrictions on the Panama Canal, or you have to reroute and go around South America, and that takes a lot longer. And yeah, it's just, it all comes down to distance and time. And, and I, you know, that explains, and thank you for that, that explains a lot about what's going on with oil prices and why things seem to be stable in the face of instability. So let's move from there into the economy, the U.S. economy writ large. I don't know if you've noticed, but there's a big holiday five days away. And, there it, is. and, it's, and I'm not ready for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, join join the club on that. Uh, I was at Target yesterday, and I can tell you that the parking lot is like a war zone. But Yeah, exactly. And that, that kind of strikes to what I was getting to. You know, uh, I think you said to us, last time we talked this is one of those weird times when everybody is convinced that the economy is in the toilet and yet we're spending money like it's water so is that still the case is the economy better or worse than our opinion of it is yeah it's basically better than our opinion i mean we keep predicting recession we being the ever reliable economists of the world and we keep (laughs) missing it because we thought we would see it in third quarter. Well, we got 5.2% growth. Then we thought we'd get it in the fourth quarter, and we're not at 5.2, but we're probably going to be close to 2. So we just keep barreling along, and part of it is the consumer is still spending. Part of it is that we still have a very robust job market. The job numbers are still very healthy. So what's happening is individuals are looking at the economy as a whole, saying, wow, it really is a mess. Good thing mine isn't. You know, everybody else is in trouble, but I can still go buy what I want. I'm lucky. And it's like, yeah, but you're all saying that. Yeah, one of the things we've seen, and we've talked about this, is just credit card debt numbers being oh, yeah. as high as they are. Yeah, it's $7 trillion now in credit card debt. We're $70 trillion in overall debt, which includes mortgages and car loans and all that. So, yeah, the spike in credit card debt has been really high because, again, that's characteristic of 
the U.S. consumer. Our attitude is, hey, I can always pay my MasterCard with my Visa. I can't be broke. I still have checks. Mm -hmm. Uh Yeah. Well, so given that, are we talking about, I hate the, I hate the, uh, the cliche kicking the can down the road, but I'm going to go ahead and use it anyway, that, uh, you know, that that there will come a day when those credit cards will come due. And with the, the prime rate being, where is it right now? North of 4% or are we at five yet? Yeah. Um, Yeah. We're, we're, Getting close. So yeah, those... the challenge with, with credit cards is that people rarely respond to how much money they actually owe. They just look at their monthly payment. Yeah. And as long as they think they can make the monthly payment, they don't worry about it. And as long as they feel secure in their job, they don't worry about the monthly payment. So the thing that would trigger a problem would be if you suddenly saw the unemployment rate start to rise, if you started to see a lot of layoffs and no jobs to replace them. So far, we haven't seen it. We've seen some sector layoffs, but for the most part, we just keep growing. The day that the unemployment issue becomes germane is when people suddenly say, oh, my God, look how much money I owe. And and then that's when they panic. Okay. Well, let's let's hope that panic is still a ways off. Chris Keel, yeah. Armada Corporate Intelligence, you always help us make sense of it. Thank you so much for it again, and, and happy holidays to you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. All right, we'll take a break here. Coming up, who Tesla is blaming for parts problems that they already knew about. Get to that coming up here on KMBZ. Welcome in. Happy Wednesday afternoon. Dayton Park's coming up at 2. If you take the criticism of Tesla personally, (laughs) cover your ears. When people do that, what? I always get nervous. I always feel like the text line's going to get mad, um, and that's fine. But Reuters had a story out saying uh, Tesla, for a long time, knew that some of its parts were bad on low-mileage cars. They're not taking responsibility for that. Instead, they blame you, the driver, for being hard on those parts. Yep, uh, especially things like suspension parts. So we're talking about, you know, uh, the the wheels and what keeps them attached to the car uh, and what keeps the car up off of the wheels, that all of that stuff has apparently been subpar for a very long time. And anytime somebody comes in with warranty claims and things like that, they're told, yeah, what you did was abuse the car by, you know, driving it. <laughs> and they have a bunch of stories, and this is a really long story that they've got this investigation. Um, one of the things that they highlight is the steering issues, and they tell a couple stories of people that had literally cars with 150 miles on them mm-hmm. that then had trouble. How much damage can you as a driver do to a car in 150 <laughs> miles? <laughs> well, I mean, the, the honest answer to that is a lot. Okay, but, fine. But, but, yes. but most people don't. And that's the thing. Yeah. Is, and, and so that's when, uh, you know, NHTSA and all of the other agencies involved, uh, when they're looking at that, they're looking overall and saying, okay, you're having more problems per mile by a factor of 10 or 20 or 100 than most other car manufacturers. I mean, we've talked about this before, specifically with Tesla. Making cars is hard. And and that's something that they've had a very difficult time coming to grips with as a brand new entrant in, well, not brand new anymore, and I know you hate brand new anyway, so sorry about that, but <laughs> as, a, okay. as, as a relatively new entrant into the, the automotive market worldwide, that Tesla still seems to have trouble with the idea that that making cars is difficult. And I mean, when you've got so many moving parts and a brand new platform, then you're going to run into trouble, but they don't want to take any responsibility for it. 
Yeah, one of the examples they get is somebody that had a 2020, they say brand new in this too. There must be, <laughs> the dictionary must have a definition of brand as in brand new, because mm -hmm. it's in here and Reuters isn't stupid with stuff like this. But anyway, so they have, uh, it was a brand new 2023 Tesla Model Y. Um, and it doesn't say how much it costs, but it says a guy used a sizable chunk of family savings to buy it with cash. Very excited about it, says this electronics engineer. He said his exuberance came to a grinding halt with 115 miles on the odometer. Uh, he was just driving around his neighborhood. He lost steering control as he made a slow turn. Uh, the vehicle's front right suspension had collapsed and parts of the car loudly scraped the road as it came to a stop. Uh, it took 40 hours of labor to rebuild the suspension and replace all the stuff that had to be fixed at a cost of more than $14,000. Tesla said, we're not paying it. You had an accident on the prior suspension damage in the 115 miles. In the 115 miles when he had had no accidents. And uh, yeah, that, that really seems to be the center of the issue. Now, I, I will say in fairness that Tesla didn't invent this. They didn't invent refusing to take responsibility for something that was their responsibility. We've had issues with that with other car companies years and years and years ago with them mm -hmm. accusing consumers of abuse when there wasn't any abuse, when it was just an engineering failure. But when it comes specifically to suspension, there, there's a diagram on the page that you're looking at, Jamie, mm -hmm. uh, on the right-hand side of mm -hmm. the upper and lower control arms. And I will explain briefly what that is, because if I handed you one, it would look like a hunk of metal to you. So the only reason I know this is because um, on a previous car that I had, I think it was on the Cobalt. You had a control was, arm issue? Yeah, it broke. Yeah. I was driving in um, I think the city in Tennessee, Paducah. I was in Paducah, Paducah Kentucky, I'm and I sorry. hit the brakes really hard, and it broke. It's the only time I've ever been to Paducah. <laughs> yeah. May I never have to go back. And yeah. it, it, it cracked in half. Yeah, and, and see, that can happen. And that, um, it, you know, just that one piece, like I said, if I handed you one, you would go, what's this hunk of metal in my hand? But mm -hmm. there's so much involved in that. You have on either side of it rubber bushings, which are just these pieces of rubber that, that, make, it, that make it ride nice, okay? Mm -hmm. if, if it were all metal, you would feel every jar in the road and it would be a terrible thing to drive. And on the other end of it is a ball and socket joint that has to maintain proper lubrication. If it doesn't, that thing can fail. I've had those fail on cars before. It's Again, it seems like a very simple piece of equipment. It is not one. And if you're trying to engineer one from scratch and you screw up even a little bit, you're going to have cars that are going to sit down on top of their wheels like happened to this poor guy. Okay, so... Um how is Tesla getting away with it? How are they getting away with not covering repairs when you can <laughs> prove? I mean, how, how do you prove in 115 miles that you didn't have an accident that you're not telling somebody about? Exactly. And that's why they're getting away with it. Um, it. It seems to be. Remember when we were talking earlier in the show about the fact that coercion can take a number of different forms. And mm -hmm. one of them is making the process to be made right so incredibly complex that people get frustrated with it and stop. That's what they've been doing. And unless somebody wants to, on top of all of that, file a lawsuit, you get away with it. Why hasn't that happened?
that seems like an easy lawsuit to file. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and most people just don't know. They, they or don't have the money. And, and you've got to right. remember, yeah, it, it is a fairly easy thing to file a lawsuit. It's not an easy thing to win one, especially against a company that probably has more lawyers than you and I could imagine. I get... Um Dana, if you're listening, cover your ears. I get that there's, I get that they're cool. I get that they're kind of the sexy thing too. There have been so many problems that we talk about with Teslas and every car has problems at some point. Their recalls happen a lot, but we, I feel like we talk about Tesla more than anything else. Yeah. Well, get a different car. And again, all car companies have recalls. There's right. never been one with a clean record. Some have right. more than others, and some go through phases where they have a bunch, and then they go through a phase where they don't have any. Yeah. So even just having recalls isn't enough to say they're bad. But when every single car that you've produced in the last however many years, like just happened to, was it 2 million cars that That's they just unfair, had a recall? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that, you know, and it was all of them. It was all the models when things like that start to happen so that they can disable something that they had as a selling point, then it gives you the idea that, that their problems are systemic. And, you know, we talked, I, I sent you this before the show, um, John Oliver's uh, HBO. Oh, I forgot to mention this. Yeah, yes. they're, they're, his HBO Max show uh, last week tonight. Their main story on this episode, which was their last one for the year, was about Elon Musk. It wasn't even specifically about Tesla. It was about Elon in particular, and the fact that the corporate culture in all of his businesses, whether it's SpaceX, Tesla, on and on down the line have taken on his personality because he fires anybody who doesn't let it take on his personality, that the problems really begin and end with him. That doesn't shock me. If no. you're the leader of a company, that makes perfect sense. Sure. Yeah. And and when and, and what Elon Musk and several others have realized is that bullying and and raising your voice and just uh, you know, threatening and cajoling and all of those things, unfortunately, for a fairly long period of time, work. Yeah. So um, just really fascinating. And it's Reuters that has that really deep investigation that they did. All right. Coming up, whose fault is it? Uh, the mess that is happening in Jackson County with assessments. Uh, we had the opportunity earlier today to talk to Manny Abarca, Jackson County Legislature. Uh, we'll hear some of that coming up here on KMBZ. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. 
Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. All right, we have seen the lawsuit. We have heard the news. We've heard about the allegations. We're calling it the fiasco today uh, involving the Jackson County Assessor's Office. One of the many things going on today. Special guest with us. Yes, indeed. Yes, we're on our Let's Teach Manny Abarca. It was a bad idea to give us his phone number to her. And uh, <laughs> Jackson, County, Jackson County Legislator Manny Abarca, kind enough to join us once again. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, everyone. Absolutely. And, you know, we want to jump right in with this, as Jamie said, this fiasco with the assessor's office. This is something that doesn't really come as a shock to anybody in Jackson County. The fact that it was as bad as the state auditor's report said it was. But you've expressed a lot of consternation over the last 24 hours as to the reaction that came back out of the tax assessor's office, where they said, we did an extensive review over two years of every parcel of land in the county. What do you say back to that? Lies, lies, lies. And I, I wouldn't call it a fiasco. I call it a failure. Uh, this is an unsurmountable and unjustifiable failure of the executive and the assessor. And now, obviously, the proof is, is screaming at our face. So I'm curious to know, um, and this is just a point of information, along the way in a process like this, which is routine you would think they do this every year you go through and you assess properties every year how much do excuse me every two years thank you for that yes every two years they go through and do this how much do jackson county legislators know along the way well so ironically you asked this question from i would say probably about april on we had been asking questions about data and justifications for date changes and we've been um, shrouded in this lie of, oh, that'll come to you. Uh, we'll follow up in an email. Oh, yeah, we're working on gathering that information. And justification after excuse after excuse, it got to a point where we started saying, well, we know there's a problem. We're hearing from people about this. Um, we're going to start trying to legislate to say that, you know, at least give pathways for the executive to follow and chase. Maybe he needed a direction. We try to give him that in, in forms of revolution, uh, resolutions. And he ignored all of them. One, in fact, included a cap up to 15 percent uh, based upon 2021 rates while we figure out the right valuations. That was ignored. So now you're sitting there with no information in front of you whatsoever that the, the, that the county legislature should have. And you're left with, OK, if if there is, in fact, a pile of lies here, as you said, that, that led us to this point, you called out not only the tax assessor, but just now you also mentioned the county executive, Frank White. What's his part of this? How is he involved in what these tax assessments were? As he said for the Royals negotiations, he's the chief of everything. He's the chief negotiator. He's the chief justifier. He appoints the assessment department, and he appoints the Board of Equalization members that are assigned to review the taxation, right? So he's created a scenario where he's rigged both ends of this to squeeze the taxpayers' drive every dollar and drip they can give. And unfortunately, he's done it in an illegal, illegal way, and now he's got to justify that. Okay, I want to hit on two things. That, there were a couple of loaded statements there. 
Uh, one, I think you just answered a question that we had earlier this morning, which is how does the assessor get her job? That's <laughs> Frank White appoints that county executive appoints that county executive appoints that okay. we can't undo that uh, at any point, unfortunately. Um, and so unlike other co communities across this country and across the state, she is the only appointed assessor for a county as large as ours. And I want to come back to that because we were talking about that, too, the legislation that's already been pre-filed. You just used the word rigged with Frank White. And I, you seem like somebody who's not going to throw words like that around. What do you think happened? So I watched it happen. I sat as the treasurer of one of the largest taxing jurisdictions in 2019. I got feedback, uh, usually negative feedback, when I'd make bold statements about the realities of how the county at that time was squeezing taxpayers, right? And not to say the W word, uh, windfall, because that's what ultimately was happening as a result of it, the higher taxation that was occurring in the county, at least for Kansas City, Missouri. And so I said, all right, well, help me understand this, right? And it was, uh, we're making up for 20 years of lack of taxation, 10 cycles, uh, there's this swing, here's this chart. And I could, I could understand the need to bring assessed values up because taxation hasn't been where it should have been over the last two decades. Get it. However, it doesn't mean that you should try and make up for that in six years or three cycles, right? So I saw the dramatic increases in 19. I heard from constituents as a school board member then. And I said, all right, we got to figure something out. 2021, we fell in a pandemic, right? Everyone was figuring out how to navigate that system. The county at that time issued a flat increase, which they would later justify to say was illegal, but they did it, right? So they showed us that they could do it if they wanted to. And then 2023 comes around and I'm sitting in this chair now and I'm saying, look, you owe us data, you owe us information, type of technologies, you owe us process, you owe us feedback. And then we're hearing from folks, they never came to my house. Okay, show me the proof, proof comes. Here we are. I mean, we, we've known the writing on the wall as legislators for months and months and months and tried anything possible within our authority to change it. But all the power rests with the executive. Now, a lot of fingers have been pointed also at Tyler Technologies as the company that did the numbers crunching on this. They have been fired. They're not going to be back at doing that same job going forward for Jackson County. How do you see their role in this? And is this a matter of you now have a county executive and a tax assessor who are pointing fingers at them to take blame off of themselves? <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately, I don't think they have been fired. I think that they have said that in, in lieu of their failures and mistakes, they'll be back next year for free, which I think is, a you know, if somebody comes to put on a roof on my house and they put it on the neighbor's house, I don't say, hey, come back and try it again, right? I sue them and get, recoup back our cost that we've invested in that, that effort. That's not what the county is doing. That's not what the executive is trying to do here. He's trying to bring them back for the next round in 2025. So the, the reality that he's, stood up here and says, well, now it's Tyler's fault. He didn't do that. She didn't do that when they came before the legislature these last few months. My apologies. It was my understanding they had been fired. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm glad you gave us that information. We withheld their money. So we, <laughs> the legislature, decided that, uh, I believe that was around June or July, said no more money is to go to Tyler Technologies unless we are told what it's for, why. And that was really a, a, me a mechanism for us to withhold funds to hold some accountability there. And to my knowledge, I, I don't believe, unless they've defied the legislature, the executive has paid them another dime. Last I checked, it was around $7 million they owed. Okay, I want to talk about what can be done. 
at this point? What what remedies and what solutions can happen now? I, I think John and I are both scratching our heads here. Um, how the, the problem that I keep seeing is that the county executive is an elected position and he's got several more years in that job. If there's no way to get him out of that office, what and I ask you based on the position that you're in, what power do you guys have now to fix it? And if so, what well, does we, that look like? Yeah, several of us, uh, my colleagues and I, have proposed eliminating uh, nearly half the budget for the assessment department to create, uh, and this is to Legislator Smith's credit here, to create a taxpayer advocate-like system that would be a true independent third party, separate of the board equalization, separate of the assessor's office, and really focus the assessor on just doing the assessment, right? So that they, they weren't meddling in the process of appeals. Um, that was unfortunately voted down by, sadly, Sean Smith as well. And now the assessment department has more money than they had last round. So I don't, I don't know outside of the purse strings what legislative powers we have that can stop um, this process, change it. I think these are now being vested within the state tax commission, the board of equalization, if they choose to act here, or the county executive. We are kind of in a position where these individuals must act to do any type of progress beyond what we've seen already. Jackson County Legislator Manny Abarca is here with us. And I want to go into, you mentioned the fact that, uh, in your opinion, the reason why you would rig something like this is simply for more money to come into the county, that more tax money would come in because of this. There are some uh, taxpayers that we've heard from who see an even darker motive in this, that in their mind this is about getting poor, low-income, and middle-income people out of their houses so that those houses can go back onto the open market and be snapped up by developers. D- is is there any reason to believe that there may be a motive as dark as that involved in this? I don't know that that is a motive, but that is the outcome that is occurring, uh, particularly in marginalized communities for seniors, um, who own their homes and are on fixed incomes, that is what's happening. We're gentrifying our county. We're creating opportunities for more LLCs to come in and buy up these homes. Um, we're, we're driving folks towards that by squeezing them out, right? And, and I have to say, as I look at the books as the budget chair, the county only standed to gain $5 million. However, there was a windfall that was sent to one taxing jurisdiction that is not protected under Hancock. And that was an organization that I advocated join Hancock and be protected by it. But there's there's more motive there, I think, than there is about driving people out of their house. That that is actually a symptom of the, the larger problem. Taxes are due in 11 days. December 31st is 11 days from now. Uh, we right. get a lot of questions from people about what they're supposed to do. What do they do? And, and we know the process is out there, but you represent these taxpayers now who are upset some that already paid their taxes and say, what about me? Some that have it and wondering what they're supposed to do. What do you tell them? Yeah, I think at this point, the only option we have available before us now is to pay under protest. And, and that is only for the folks who write the check, right? For me, who has a mortgage, my company has already sent it over. I don't have a chance to, to protest. Um, but the, we have to put faith in our justice system, sadly, and, and believe that through <laughs> – and as a Democrat, I'm saying this, that our state uh, Republican elected officials, the state auditor, has more findings to release. This is just the beginning of that process. And the, the Republican attorney general um, can bring swift justice uh, up to removal of office, right? I mean, we've seen this happen in St. Louis already for dereliction of duty for an elected official. Yep. I'm not suggesting that's the, the possibility or the path here, but we have seen the worst happen in some of these situations where folks have not done their job. And here we are. 
Um, you know, I'm, I'm constantly looking. We looked yesterday as a legislative group and as staff to figure out with folks who have been here for 60 years um, and trying to figure out how to, to rectify this. And the power lies with the executive. So um, that may be a charter change thing. But again, that power also lies with the executive to change the charter. Just one last for you. And I'm curious about the lawsuits that have already been filed. We heard that the class action suit had been dismissed. The initial suit that was brought by the uh, by the state taxing authority and the attorney general had been dismissed for a procedural reason. And just on the heels of that yesterday afternoon, the attorney general's office filed a new lawsuit about this. Have you had the chance to look it over? And what do you think about its chances of succeeding? Yeah, I mean, I think the standing is much better for the attorney general's positioning. Uh, it was disappointing to see that the Supreme Court dismissed um, that lawsuit, but it sounds like it's more along the lines of standing in process. Um, I think what I would say to these things is we can't give up hope on those opportunities. And it's important to note, right, that is probably a more Republican-controlled Supreme Court than anything else. And so this isn't a partisan issue, sadly. This is an issue of dereliction of duty. Couldn't say, it's well said. And many of Barca, again, Jackson County legislator, thank you so much for being available to us, taking us through some of this. I know it's going to be an interesting end of the year. I hope your holidays are good to you. <laughs> Thanks. Likewise to you all. All right. We're getting questions on the text line uh, asking about the process to recall Frank White. Manny Abarca, after we talked to him earlier, texted us, sent us the link, and gave us the details on that. We'll go through that next year on KMBZ. Thanks again to Manny Abarca. Jackson County legislature for coming on with us. A couple things here. Um, we did reach out to Frank White. Colin has tried. Frank White will not come on. Frank White, to, to give him his uh, the opportunity to speak out, to defend. Yes, we know. Manny Abarca said some pretty loaded statements there. We, it, it was not lost on us. He has, Frank White can come on anytime and talk more about it. Uh, we did ask him, um, and he sent us the link, thank you for that, uh, the process to recall an elected official in Jackson County. It was easy for him because he sponsored it, <laughs> and it was yeah. this past August. And so he sent us the link, and we've got it. And a couple things I'll point out about the language here uh, is that, uh, let me go down here. So uh, let's see, petitions demanding the recall of any elected county officer have to be signed by registered voters that amount to 20% of the total vote cast for county executive. That's really common in the last election. He told us that's 50,000 signatures of confirmed, they always validate that, of registered voters in the county. There is language in here about the timeline for when that would have to happen. Um, and so they, they check to make sure all the signatures are valid, make sure you've got enough. And they said it would have to come 90 days after the petitions are filed, or if there is no regular election within that time, special election within 60 days. Our understanding from the text line is that some of you are signing those petitions that are circulating already. Yes, and we had calls earlier in the show from people saying, well, why hasn't there been talk about a recall of Frank White? There has, there and, is. This, and this is evidence of that. These are the first steps in getting that done. And again, I, you know, I I am not a resident of Jackson County. I, I do not advocate, nor do I uh, you know, say that, uh, that Frank White shouldn't be recalled. It's not up to me. But if you are a voter in Jackson County, then this is a decision that you're going to have to make and, uh, and, and figure whether you believe that the... Uh, the events that have led up to this kind of consternation and led up to the uh, the report that came out from the auditor's office, from the state auditor's office last week, rise to the level that you would like to see the county executive recalled. 
what I don't know is then the process for choosing a new, I don't know if that's appointed then to fill the rest of the term or how that, that's not in here for how that works. It, 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 did it not say special election? I thought that was... Uh, I thought that meant the recall election. Oh, the, the recall election, yes. Uh, okay, sorry. So, yeah, whether there would be another election or whether there there would be an interim person appointed, that's an interesting question. Yeah, we'll have to look into that. The other thing I'll mention real fast is that uh, if you're there are a couple of Facebook pages that are dedicated to all of this, particularly if you're a Jackson County taxpayer, which we watch a lot. And one of the things that was noted on the Facebook page, again, this is just according to people that are uh, affected by this. There have been a couple of notes about appeals not being heard for a while. There was one note on that page today uh, that the board is not going to hear commercial appeals until next spring. There was something else that I thought I saw yesterday about um, non-commercial appeals. And so it's... um, I don't know what I don't know if that's indicative of how they're going to respond to some of the stuff that's going on or what. Right. And just remember, your taxes have to be paid by the 31st. If that's normally paid by your escrow account when you make your home payment, then you don't have anything to worry about. But before that happens, you want to figure out if you've been charged an overage. And if you have, make sure that you note that that part of your payment this year is being made under protest. That way you have an avenue to get that money back if they find in your favor later on. Do we have time to do the story of the Daily Beast, or should we hold this until tomorrow when we have more than a minute and a half? Uh, yeah, we should probably hold this one until okay. we've got a, a little bit more time to discuss it. But wow, did something just cross the desk you're going to want to hear about. Out of Florida. We'll, we'll, of we'll hold that one over till tomorrow about what happened at a daycare center. Uh, while we have a second, McDonald's has a new concept yes. to challenge Starbucks. And it was funny because I was reading about this this morning and there was an article about how much sugar they're jamming into the drinks at this new concept of theirs, which was funny to me because I had never heard of it. As of now, there is one location. It's called Cosmics, and that's spelled C-O-S, capital M, little C, like McDonald's, apostrophe S, Cosmics. And there's a reason why it's called that. It's on their website if you want to go check it out. It has to do with this mythology about an alien creature. But what it really is, is a way to compete with Starbucks kiosks. They're selling uh, some of the same McCafe drinks that they have at McDonald's now, but there's a whole lot more to that part of the menu. They also have a limited food menu. But uh, according to some of the articles that have already come out about this, the content in terms of calories and sugar is off the charts. Great. (laughs) I mean, it is at Starbucks, too. All those drinks have a lot of calories. But but they're saying these are these are actually topping Starbucks per ounce. The amount of sugar that that they're putting in this stuff is is higher in a lot of cases than Starbucks is Uh, right now. As we said, there is one location and it's in it's near McDonald's headquarters in the Chicago area. Bolingbrook, Illinois. Yeah, that's where the headquarters is. So that makes sense. All right. We'll continue to watch what's going on here. Uh, We'll turn this over to Dana Parks and be back Thursday here on KMBZ. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. 
Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.